Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello again, everyone, and welcome in to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans, and as always, our Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by the great folks at TNT Home Services for all your plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical needs. Reach out to TNT. You can give them a call, 720-500-1979, and at tnthomeservicesco.com. My guest this week, you hear him all over the fan. He's been a guest host. He does avalanche post-game shows on the weekend. It is the one and only Matt Smith. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, friend. Hello, friends. Gained a lot of gymnasts, a lot of gymnasts lately, but... uh, Jim Nance does not call hockey, although he probably could if yeah. uh, if called upon. But uh, we has he never called the NHL? I don't know. I, I, that's a great question. I don't think he has. But the, the wouldn't, guy, it wouldn't it, surprise it, me. Though. It wouldn't surprise me if he has at some point. Yeah, you know, now right. you got me kind of curious. I might go look that up and see if he's yeah. uh, had a chance to do that. But we're here to talk hockey, and I'm here to uh, lean on your expertise of all things uh, Avalanche. Let's let's start with this this recent two game series that they had with with Pittsburgh. My feeling has been, and you, please tell me if I'm making too much out of it. But for a team that has everything locked up, best uh, best record in the division, they're going to cruise to the conference title as the number one seed. But still, with 14 or so games left, to be able to have back to back games against Pittsburgh. And and have that almost mini playoff type series uh, in the midst of the dog days of the hockey season. How important was it to be able to have the schedule makers uh, give you kind of a gift like that? You know, I think it was a uh, it was very important. And I think this final month, the way the schedule shapes up, is actually really important because it's not just those two games against Pittsburgh. They also play Edmonton twice. They have Carolina, Washington, the Kings, the Blues, the Preds, the Wild, and they have two games with the Jets. So you're dealing with more playoff teams than anything here. And I think when you're talking about a team that has accomplished what they have so far this year and kind of in the dog days of the season, it's important to have things and and small term you know short term goals to keep your attention and and keep your focus and i think that that plays uh to their advantage certainly and and when you're looking at you know that game you know those two games with pittsburgh i think you bring up a great point having a little mini series there heading into the playoffs is not a bad thing against a, another playoff team and the way they performed was extremely encouraging especially on tuesday night in pittsburgh when you're talking about a team that was missing Kadri missing Landeskog, missing Nishushkin, missing Gerard, missing Murray. Obviously, Byram came back, and that was awesome to see. But uh, you're talking about a team that just keeps rolling. And I think my theme here for the end of the season is, you know, like Dory from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep <laughs> swimming, because just keep, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, don't take your foot off the gas, stay focused, and make it through. Because, again, I mean, we sit here, it's April 7th. The regular season doesn't end until April 29th, so there's a lot of hockey left to be played in this regular season, and it's probably a good thing for them, considering how many guys they're going to need to get back into the lineup and reintegrate it either before playoffs or as playoffs start. So uh, as much time as those guys on the shelf can get before the playoffs get rolling isn't a bad thing. Do you you try to plan it so that 
guys come back and at least get a game or two under their belt before the playoffs? Or you just say, hey, we want you back 100%, 110%, and if that means we'll see you for the playoffs, we're good with that. I would really like to see these guys back before the playoffs start because you're also talking about reintegrating all of those guys on top of the four new bodies mm. that you added at the trade deadline. Right. And you're talking about nine guys in you know in general that really haven't played hockey together, which is a significant portion of your team. And so uh, I would really like to see them come back with a few games left in the regular season, especially Landeskog because then you can kind of figure out how you want to adjust those top lines. You know, it was so funny, and obviously something you and I have touched on, and I think on this podcast, that Jared Bednar, gosh, a couple months ago, you know, when he mixed up the first line and put Burakovsky up there for the first time, he was saying, look, we don't want to have to adjust, you know, on the fly in the playoffs in in case of injuries, you know, and and careful what you wish for is is kind of what I say, because, I mean, look at what they've had to deal with here the last month and a half. So if if this is a sign that they're getting it out of the way, wonderful, right? (laughs) Wonderful. But at the same time, you know, I do think he has accomplished that goal because they've had to. And that was kind of what I was saying prior to that, you know, right after that statement was made was, look, they've been dealing with adversity all year and shuffling guys in and out of the lineup. So now with these four new bodies in Lekkanen and Manson and Sturm and Cogliano and then reintegrating all of their injured players, I think there is work to be accomplished before the playoffs start. But again, if it's a situation where it's like, well, we could rush you back, and there's three games left, but you're not exactly a hundred percent. Then I'd be then then I'd probably put them on ice until the playoffs start because you do have about a week off between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. I think the playoffs start uh, May fifth, and so I I, I it, look I would like to get them back, but again, if they're not going to be healthy, then just bring them back in the first round. Visit with Matt Smith here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast as we. Get into all things Avalanche, and you mentioned the return of Bo Byram, a a healthy, 100% confident Bo Byram means what for the Avalanche in the postseason? Well, it's just as good as a trade deadline addition, the way I see it, because he's been out so long. It also allows them some flexibility in their, you know, in their blue line, which they didn't really have without Byram, Gerard, or Murray. They were kind of handcuffed with what they had, which wasn't a bad thing. It's not like they're shorthanded on the back end, but it gives you a lot of flexibility because I think Bo is a guy who's good enough to play in the second line D pair, and you can put Gerard back in the third line. Although Gerard's supposed to be back, uh, what is that, Friday night, tomorrow night in Winnipeg? So we'll see how Sam looks because before before he sat down with that injury, he did not look good and the numbers reflect that and they've been a much much better defensive team without him slice it any way you want that's just the facts and so um, I'm very curious to see what he can do and now that he and Bo are both healthy Jared Bednar has plenty of options the the other wrinkle here is that Bednar has spoken at length several different times about having the ability to not have both Makar and Taves on the ice at the same time in the playoffs so you can always have one of those guys out there against a team's top line, which I think is an interesting way to look at it. And certainly having Gerard and Byram out there allows you the luxury to possibly play Bo Byram with Kale Makar and then bump Devon Taves down to the second, you know, second 
pairing and then, you know, kind of match up differently from there. I think that's one thing the Avs felt like they could not do at all in the postseason last year is alter their lineup and play with different matchups. And I think in their minds, that was the catalyst to them losing the series against Vegas because they couldn't respond with different, you know, matchups and throw different looks. And I think it's part of it, but I also felt like part of it was was strategy, specifically with the power play. And I think that's something uh, in, in particular that they have really ironed out here over the last month. So I've been encouraged. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I have to stop myself sometimes because at the end of the season here, my intuition and, you know, the tingles, the feels, they're starting to get pretty good here. So I, I, I constantly have to slow myself down. And I'm not one of those guys who, who typically – you know, feels that way heading the playoffs. Look, there's a month left in the regular season. Anything could happen. You have injuries, guys out of the lineup, and then this whole thing changes. But as I've been watching the dynamic of the NHL unfold here over the last, you know, season, specifically heading into the last few months, boy, if everything just doesn't seem to be lining up. So I, the way I see it, Mike, is you take it one day at a time, and when you have a guy like Bo back in the lineup, you can do a lot of different things that you couldn't do before. And he's such a talented player, and he looks he looked great the other night. So uh, let's just keep crossing our fingers that he'll be healthy and uh, things will things will just keep swimming, just <laughs> keep swimming. That's, that's kind of keep coming back to it. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. That's a, That's a good visual. It makes a lot of sense. Speaking of visuals, Lay it out for us because, as you mentioned, between the guys that have been out and all the new additions, in terms of what this is going to look like, assuming everybody's ready to go come playoff time, seriously, just take me through four lines. Four lines and yeah. the defensive pairings. Lay it out for us how you see this, this, um, this, this plan of attack uh, being planned uh, when it's all ready to go for the playoffs. How do you see it? Start with the so start with the start with the forward lines. Yeah, so I think there is a you know there there are many different ways that Jared Bednar could go here. If he wants to create the checking line, he can create a bigger line on the second line and put uh, Kadri, Nashushkin, and Landeskog there. And you could leave Burakovsky up on that first line, but gosh, I hate the thought of that. So if it were me, if it were me, I'd put Landy back up top to start, especially to reintegrate him with that knee. You can kind of hide him a little bit, too, there in maybe the first game or so. Uh, Landeskog, McKinnon, Rontanen, and then that second line, I would just go with the guys who had built, you know, the the, the best record in the NHL to this point when you're looking at um, – uh, Nishushkin and Kadri and Burakovsky and then on that third line you probably look at Lekkinen on the left side you probably look at uh, Sturm in the middle and then maybe Comfer on the right wing and then that that fourth line you have a lot more options now since you brought in Cogliano specifically you have finally have forward depth on this team so you have Helmer uh, you got Cogliano you've got Obe Kubel obviously and Logan O'Connor um, Logan O'Connor for me does not leave that fourth line the entire stretch of the playoffs. He he adds too much, so he to me is a permanent starter there on that fourth line. And then I think you can mix and match depending upon uh, what what you feel like you need. I think Cogliano is going to play more than I originally anticipated. Yeah, you're leaving, Alec, you're leaving Alex Newhook out. Yes, and Alex Newhook. Thank you so much. I knew there was somebody I was leaving out, so Newhook goes on that third line. And so that's that's kind of my point, is, is you probably then have Newhook and 
Lekkonen and Sturm on the third line if you wanted, mm -hmm. or you bump Sturm down to the fourth line and you put Comfer as your third line center. You have tons of options, and I think it just depends upon, first of all, first of all, who Jared Bednar has liked together the last month, right? Because he's, he's been doing constant evaluating with that fourth line, fourth and third line, kind of moving guys to different spots to seeing who plays well together. So if it were me, first line, Landeskog, McKinnon, Rontanen, second line, I would have Nishushkin, Kadri, and Burakovsky. And then obviously, it depends upon how Berkey, Berkey goes, right? And then third line, you'd like to have maybe a little bit more of a physical presence. So you probably couldn't put him down there, even though I would consider it. Because uh, I think Lekkonen in the playoffs does a little bit more for you than Burakovsky will. So the good news for Bednar is he has the flexibility. With Alex Newhook, it's going to be a big prove-it stretch for me in the playoffs. This has obviously been a very successful rookie campaign for him. And if he can produce at all in the playoffs, it's going to be a huge boon for this team. So I think they expect a lot from him in the future and setting him up in a position where he can be able to have those opportunities in the playoffs, I think will certainly benefit them. So if, if it's me, you know, that third line, I'd probably have Lekkonen, and then you'd probably put Comfer there with Newhook, and then on that fourth line. The fourth line, if you can move Nico Sturm to the fourth line, then it, then it allows you uh, to play him more in a penalty kill, certainly, and, and give you it gives you just different looks. And I think that's, that's kind of the point here, is that Jared Bednar finally has flexibility in his tenure with the Avalanche, which he really hasn't had before. And on defense, how do you see those yeah. pairings? Yeah, so, and here's the other part, and we didn't even mention Curtis McDermott on the fourth line as well, and that is certainly a very viable option, and quite frankly, and quite frankly, I don't know if I would take him off the ice to start. If things go badly, then I think I might adjust, but I think I might roll forward with Curtis McDermott as a fourth line guy because having that guy out there and active and dressed and on the ice in the playoffs is going to be very important, but there will be matchups. And so if you find yourself against a team where you feel like you don't need that, or you have other guys who can fill that role and maybe more speed is, is a, is a beneficial for your hockey team. You can certainly go that way defensively Taves and McCarr up front. Again, it's a matchups based system for me. For me, I would put Byram on the second D pairing. And if it doesn't go well, I'd move him down to the third pairing and let Gerard work his way in on that third pairing. But, uh, again, I'd probably have Byram and maybe a Manson. And then you could put Gerard and EJ, and then you mix things around from there. And then you got Jack Johnson you can throw into the mix, and Ryan Murray you can throw into the mix. So the one thing that's encouraging for this team is that if you do suffer any injuries, if you do suffer – you know, uh, some guys out of the lineup, you do have more flexibility and options. And certainly he didn't have that before. So that was a big, big step forward for this franchise at the trade deadline. And Joe Sackick has given Jared Budnar what he needs to win a Stanley Cup if they're healthy. So we'll see how it goes. Level of confidence in Darcy Kemper? Really high be honest with you highest it's been all year and like I said I'm gonna I have to stop myself because I, I really feel good about the state of this franchise right now and I did not last year the goaltending has been much much more improved there was a weird scramble there at the end of the Pittsburgh game where kind of had some weird goals but prior to that Kemper hadn't allowed more than three goals I think in his like last 12 starts or something like that I've been very encouraged he's finally gotten his rhythm 
between you know behind this defensive core but the problem is is the playoffs are a different story so for me I'm really encouraged I think he'll be better than Philip Grubauer was last year in the playoffs which is a great first step but again until you do it you know this is all just you know subjective I guess at this point I want to go back to your level of confidence and you you keep telling yourself you gotta you gotta kind of Slow your roll yeah. a little bit. I, I'm with you, and I have no problem sharing how confident I am uh, about the, about these yeah. guys. And and I get it. Uh, for a lot of Avalanche fans, there's that sense of, hey, man, you know, let's let's see how it plays out, and you know, don't don't overlook anybody, and let's be careful. I, I think if you if you feel really confident about it, you, you shouldn't be afraid. I'm scarred, to, Mike. I know, I get it, but I just <laughs> here's the thing, Matt. I I look at this team, and not only do I think they're a more complete, more well-rounded team than they were a year ago, but there's so much more self-awareness. I think that that, that this team understands what went wrong last year how they've gone about trying to address it, the kind of team that they're trying to build. And and I just also come back to the painful lessons that this core had to learn and deal with. For the last year, they've been told how soft they are and, and how if you lean on them, they'll wilt. And if you play a heavy game, they'll wilt. And I, I just think that a combination of how they've gone about and built the roster – combined with the very painful lessons that they've had to learn, combined with what I, I got to assume is, is is the right amount of pride that these guys have, I, I just think you're going to see a hockey team that is going to be playing with their hair on fire yeah. in the playoffs. And, and truly, I know it's a cliche, but truly will be out there not to be denied. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean – this is why I have to slow myself down, because the playoffs is a different game. And so, based upon what we've seen in the regular season, we are on the same page. They're saying all the right things. From a leadership perspective, it is night and day from what it has been the last two years. You have different guys throughout the lineup stepping up and asserting themselves into the into these roles. You've got guys aging into maturity now with the scar tissue from years past and lessons learned from years past about what it what it requires in the playoffs to get the job done. You're out hitting teams every night, which you weren't doing even a month ago. You're playing a totally different brand of hockey, and you're playing with some of your best players out of the lineup. When you look at their blue line, they're deeper, they're more mature, they're more dynamic than they were last season. When you look at their forward grouping, last year you had the top line. The second line was okay. I mean, the second line was decent, But again, they're so much better this year because the difference between last year's team, the year before, and this year, you had, for all intents and purposes, what, six, seven all-stars this year with Rontanen and Landeskog and McKinnon and Makar and Taves and Kadri, and Nashushkin's playing the best hockey of his career, so is Kadri. Burakovsky is, is, uh, you know, streaky as all ever and does things on the ice that make me want to rip my hair out, but at the same time, he's producing... You know, I guess 
I can't, I can't even get myself there on Burkowski yet, Mike. It might yeah, not you're... be until he leaves Denver. Speaking of, but... speaking of scarred. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I went, so, I mean, you're looking at a team that's deeper. It's better. The blue line is better. The goaltending is better. Their mentality is better. They've learned. Their leadership has improved. And I think the coaching they're getting this year is better. The criticism that I've had of Jared Bednar the last few years is I felt like he couldn't get this team ready to go in the playoffs. I I constantly felt like every time they started a game in the playoffs, they were playing from behind the eight ball because he couldn't get these guys to just dive in head first into the deep end and start from jump street, which is going to be a huge, huge point that I'll be looking for when the postseason starts. But everything has lined up, which is why I say as long as they can get healthy, I just don't – first of all, I don't see a team in the Western Conference that can beat them outside of Minnesota. I think Minnesota could junk things up and play a very physical hockey game that could push them and test them. I don't think Minnesota is a better team, but Minnesota is built in a way that I think could give the Avalanche problems, more so than I think Calgary is, quite frankly. I think Calgary is trying to be what the Avs are, but they're not half the team with the – you know, look, Kachuk and, and – um, Lindholm and Gaudreau are phenomenal players, but they're not Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rontanen. So, you know, the Western Conference doesn't – and Vegas isn't going to make the playoffs. I watched that Vegas game last night where they're facing a must-win situation. The second game against Vancouver at home in a row with a day off in between, and they got smoked 5-1. to I don't think Vegas is going to make the playoffs. Dallas will probably be the one that does end up making the playoffs, and we might see Colorado-Dallas as a first-round matchup, which Dallas is not the same team they've been in years past, but would be a good test for the Avalanche to start, certainly, and they would require your full attention. So I wouldn't hate that matchup for the Avs whatsoever. But again, I look at this team and I go, what's going to stop them? And the only thing I can come up with is themselves or injuries. And so that's why I say there's 12 games left in the regular season. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Because you got to – it's all about the details. It's all about doing things consistently the same way. Champions take care of the factors that other teams overlook. And this team has overlooked some critical factors the last few seasons. They're not doing that anymore. They, they've addressed those issues. So if everyone can play to their capabilities and you do get a full stable of guys back and healthy, which is what – the Landeskog surgery was intended to do because if there was, you know, a situation where Landy wouldn't be able to return for the playoffs, he wouldn't have gotten the surgery. Landeskog would have played out there without any cartilage in his knee. I mean, that's how tough this guy is. So I know the reason that he had the surgery was to make sure he could come back for the playoffs. And like you said, I am very, very confident, but I also have been watching hockey as you have a very long time. And the game changes in the playoffs and a team that looked like they were dead in the water the last week of the regular season can come out hell on wheels. So, uh, for me, with this team, I agree with you. And I think it all comes back, Mike, quite frankly, to what Nathan McKinnon said after the Vegas series yesterday, uh, last year, rather. He said, look, I haven't won, this is going into my ninth year in this league, I haven't won bleep in this league, yep. right? Yep. I haven't won bleep in this league. So show me, Nate, how pissed off you are, yep. not by fighting, but by executing and bringing all you have to this postseason. Yep. And it, it's his time. It's his time. It's Gabe Landeskog's time. It's it's Kale McCarr's time. Uh, it's your turn, your time to 
be the next set of Avalanche legends and make guys like Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg and Adam Foote and Patrick Waugh uh, certainly always have their spot, but they're joined on the mantle by a, a yeah. new wave of, of superstars that, that prove it in the playoffs, and we can't wait. Matt Smith has been my guest here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast, presented by TNT Home Services. For all your plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical needs, reach out to TNT, 720-500-1979, and at tnthomeservicesco.com, TNT Home Services, we got your six. And, Matt, thank you again very much. And, of course, people will be able to hear you hosting, fill in hosting here on the fan, but also with our Avalanche postgame shows during the, the course of the playoffs on the weekends. Thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> on that note, this has been the Mile High Hockey Podcast. We'll see you again next week.